Okay, uh, I guess we should be doing Rosh Hashanah questions this week, but we're not because uh, those aren't the questions that I got. So we're going to do uh, questions that I got this week, but we'll make some Rosh Hashanah connections maybe. Here, here are the two questions, and you'll choose which one to do or which one to do first. Maybe we'll get to both of them. Um, first question I got a little while ago was a, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, there's, there's a thing that you could do to your car um, where you could like plaster advertising all over your car and you'll get paid for it depending on how many miles you drive. Are you familiar with this? Have you heard of this? Like, if, if you're willing to have, like, um, Papa John's plastered all over your car, so, and, and you drive a lot of miles every month, you'll get a check from an advertising agency that's employed by, that's, that's, that's retained by Papa John's, you know, for, for all the advertising that you gave them by driving all over the place, especially in neighborhoods where, let's say, Papa John's might be popular. Or if it's like a, uh, you know, a tech company, they'll want you driving near college campuses. So you'll drive all around Boston or all around uh, Northern California or something. And like they'll, they'll be very into that because that, that's going to help their advertising. So there's a thing you could do to, to, to get that done. Um, paid to drive concept is the, the, I looked it up online and it does exist. Um, get paid to drive promotions. Um, they are not as plentiful as they once were, apparently. But you don't have to be a professional driver. You just have to be willing to have these vinyl decals, what they call auto wraps, all over your car. So someone wanted to know, first of all, it was a double question. First of all, someone wanted to know, hi, in these uh, paid-to-drive situations, can you get like Papa John's plaster all over your car if you're an Orthodox Jew? And you, uh, is there any any issue with that? To have like a non-kosher establishment? Now we're not talking about like a place of uh, ill repute or something like. Although I don't know what the reputation of Papa John's is exactly, but but the the uh, we're not talking about like some like low you know beneath human dignity kind of things. Just not kosher, a not kosher establishment. Are you allowed to have that plaster all over your car and? As a, an extra caveat, someone has it, let's say, and they work in their, this is not their full-time job, they have a regular job, and they have a non-Jewish friend at work, and they offer the non-Jewish friend, they ask the non-Jewish friend if he wouldn't mind trading cars for the weekend, because I'm not going to be driving at all on Shabbos, and he's going to be driving, it's a big driving day for him, he's not working, so he's driving all over the place on Shabbos. They're, they're calculating how much driving is done over the course of the month in order to determine what kind of check to send me. My friend doesn't mind driving my car. Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to be making money on Shabbos from his driving around on Shabbos? So that's question number one, the car decals. Um, what are, well, okay, we'll put that aside for now. Question number two. Uh, this, someone asked me this week as well. This is a Maisa Shehoya. Uh, we'll call the guy Ruve. I'm not feeling that exciting tonight. We'll call the guy Reuven. Reuven has a house. Wonderful. He has a next-door neighbor who has a house. And his next-door neighbors are a Jewish woman who is married to a non-Jewish man. An intermarried couple. Lovely neighbors. They, uh, you know, never cause any problems or anything. The neighbor had parked their car. So I said tonight is car shilas. The neighbor had parked their car on the street in front of their house. Reasonable enough thing to do, right? The neighbor walks out of their house the next morning and they find their car halfway up the curb and totally smashed. Someone had apparently not just like nudged it or bumped it like in a parallel parking type of situation, but at, at, a, at a healthy speed, you know, rammed right into their car, knocked it up on the curb and totally smashed their car. 
So the neighbor called the insurance adjuster to come take a look. The insurance adjuster looks at the paint chips that are left and the bumper from the other car that's left or whatever pieces of the other car is left. And the, the insurance adjuster is able to tell them the make and model of the car that hit them. The, the color, make and model of the car that hit them. Okay, but that, you know, so someone tells you, uh, I don't know, a black Nissan Sentra. Uh, okay, how are you going to find, the, you know, the, which car hit you? So the neighbor had an idea. They went to Ruvain. They said, Ruvain, we know you're, uh, you've got a fancy security system and you've got cameras outside your house. Can you go to the videotape and see uh, if maybe we could pull a license plate off of the car that hit us if you have, uh, if you have on camera who, who hit us? So Ruvain's like, sure, I'll check it out. I'll let you know. Okay. He goes, he checks the tape, and he sees a black Nissan Sentra, let's say, if that was the car. Um, and he sees it, uh, it, it pulls up right in front of Ruvain's house, stops for a minute. Someone goes into Ruvain's house from that car, goes back out a minute later, and then zooms off. You know, that's where the crash happens. So it was someone that Ruvain knows. So Ruvain says to his wife, did someone come drop something off? Oh, yeah. Yankel came and dropped something off. You know, the guy that Davin's uh, behind us in shul and, you know, talks the whole time. Doing that. Right? Yankel. So Ruben's like, oh, Yankel, I love that guy. He's, so, he's a little annoying during shul, but he's a really geschmacky guy otherwise. So uh, he realizes that Yankel had done this hit, hit and run. So Ruben's very uncomfortable about this whole situation. Like, what? So I, first he, he called me, he asked me right away, what do I do? I said, you got to tell your uncle that, that you caught him. Try to say it in as, as, as non-threatening a way as possible, in a non-accusative way as possible. Like, oh, uh, you probably didn't realize, but you totally rammed into another car and knocked it halfway up the curb and left enough of your car behind that they were able to identify it by the evidence, Yankel, and, 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 and see what he says. So Ruben calls Yankel, and Yankel's like, Oh, well, uh, you know, I lent the car to somebody. Like, he makes up some total love mic, so, you know, it's like, it's obviously a lie. And he's like, he makes up this uh, this story. And he's like, but listen, do me a favor, Ruben. Do me a solid. I- I'm really tight on money right right now. I'm sure, you know, um, Mrs. Jew and Mr. Guy are, have, have, have car insurance. I'm sure their insurance will take care of whatever the issue is. I, I'm just really tired of money right now. I can't really deal with this right now. I got too much going on in my life. Just keep it on the down. I'm not asking you to lie for me, but you know you don't have to volunteer any information. You know they're not gonna if, if they don't ask you anything, don't say anything. Just keep it keep it keep it quiet if you don't mind. So uh, now Ruvain is like freaking out because he's got his neighbors whose car is smashed and he knows why their car is smashed and he's got Yankel who's telling him to keep it quiet and he doesn't know if he's allowed to even keep it quiet or if he should pick a fight with Yankel over what happened to his neighbors. Good? So we had our two shilas. One about the, uh, the decals on the car that advertise on Shabbos and Yantif if you have a guy driving your car on Shabbos and Yantif or advertise for Papa John's even though you're a nice from boy. And we have uh, the second Shaila about Ruven and Yankel and the smashed neighbor's car. Which one do you want to talk about? Second one? No other votes? Second one? Second one? You don't care? You don't care? You don't care? You don't care? Okay, you didn't hear it. Okay, <laughs> great. So um, I guess we'll talk about the second one. <laughs> uh, if, if 
there's sometimes I don't care is they both sound good. Sometimes I don't care is wow, I have no interest in either one of those things. So I, I'm I'm hoping it's the former, but if it's the okay, great. So, so what are the issues over here? What, what, like what halacha? Where do I open up a shulchan aruch to uh, to determine what Ruvain is supposed to do in this situation? Like what halachas? So first off the bat, let's let's be clear. The answer I think is a foregone conclusion. Meaning, what the answer is going to be is that Reuven cannot let Yankel get away with this. Morality dictates that you cannot let Yankel get away with this and that Yankel's going to have to fess up and you're going to have to do whatever you can to make sure that happens, right? To make sure that Yankel ends up paying for this and that Nebuch, these uh, poor victims, don't have, to, uh, don't have to deal with it, right? That, that, that's where the answer is going to have to land us. The question is how we get there. And... Um, how much of that is fifth Shulchan Aruch, what they call the fifth Shulchan Aruch, which is just a sensitive soul, a Jewish soul that knows how to be sensitive into Ratzon HaTorah, and how much of it is actually halachically required in the four halakim of Shulchan Aruch that we actually have printed black on white. So where in Shulchan Aruch, what am I looking at? So first thing I'm going to have to figure out is, is Yankel actually chayiv to pay for the damage that was done? Then I'm going to have to figure out Okay, he might be chayiv to pay. Does that mean, is that true even when he, you know, he had a good time? Insurance is going to cover it. Mrs. Jew and Mr. Guy aren't going to lose out. Their insurance is going to take care of it. So does Yankel still have to pay when insurance is going to cover it? Third, if Yankel has to pay, what's Ruvain's responsibility? Does he have to do more than he's already done? Yeah, okay, he's not going to lie, but does, does he have to volunteer that information? And, and what would compel him to do it? Like, what halachic mechanism would compel him to say anything or not say anything? So any, any halachas that sound at all... Uh, anything? Anything? I got at least a few, you know? I didn't get them all at one shot, but yeah. With the insurance company would still be stealing from them, then. Ah, so... How do we view insurance company, payments from an insurance company, right? So that's a major halachic topic. When someone gets paid from an insurance company, do you just say, oh, no harm, no foul? Or do you say, no, it's harm to the insurance company. So either I'm going to pay Mrs. Jew and Mr. Guy, or I'm going to pay the insurance company, because I cost somebody money. I don't know if insurance companies take, well, probably they do. They sue people all the time. Yeah, so so I cost somebody money. What else? Do you have to do good? Meaning, if you're if you're sitting on information that can be helpful to somebody, are you obligated to share that information? So, what would be the 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 halachic obligation to share information that you're that you're aware of? So, so edus. Now, over here, it's not really edus. You're an edachad anyway, so your edus is not going to. So, or, or or just in general, if you know that you can help somebody, and you choose not to. So what does that sound like? If you lead the neighbors into believing that you that you don't know anything, it's Gnevis Das. If you just don't say anything, it's probably not Gnevis Das. What? Perhaps. Right? You see someone needs help, and you can provide that help, and you choose not to provide that help. So it might be, it might be that. And then we have to discuss... Okay, now all of these things, do they apply to a non-Jew in, in halacha? Lo samar al-dam re'echa. 
what's the halacha if you see a non-Jew struggling? Do you have an obligation to pull over your car and help them? Let's say stop if you see them on the side of the highway. Right? What's what's the obligation? Or even in terms of Nazikin. And then beyond that, your obligation to yell at Yank, ya- what did I call him? Yankel? Your, your obligation to yell at Yankel, I don't know who it is. I don't know. It could be a friend of mine for all I know. I mean, hopefully not. But like your obligation to yell at Yankel is what? Where would that obligation stem from? To give it to Yankel over the head. A mitzvah in the Torah, I think. Exactly. A mitzvah in the Torah to reprimand someone who's doing something wrong. So we've got a lot to sort out over here. So let's start at the beginning. When you're mazik a guy. Oh, also, is this called being mazik a guy? It's an intermarried couple. Who's, does it matter who normally drives the car? If it's the non-Jewish husband or the Jewish wife that normally drives the car? Or does it matter whose car, the, whose name the car is in? Or do we just say since they share it, it's automatically like being mazik a Jew? Or maybe a Jew is intermarried, who obviously isn't so concerned about their religion. Maybe some of these halachas won't apply to them either. So what happens when you're mazik? Let's let's take a simple case. When you're mazik a non-Jew, do you have to pay or do you not have to pay? You would think you have to pay, right? So here's the thing. There is an explicit Gemara and Mishnah that says when you steal from a non-Jew, that it's usher to steal from a non-Jew, and if you do, you got to pay. Cannot steal from a non-Jew. Absolutely usher, usher minatorui paskin, to steal from a non-Jew. Rav Shechter always uh, points out that people don't hear about this enough when they're younger, and that's why they claim that they're in jail later on, because I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, let us steal from a guy, no one ever told me. Here, you heard it from me first, you, hopefully not first, but you've heard it from me, you are not allowed to steal from a Jew or non-Jew. You're not allowed to steal. If the question is, am I allowed to steal? The answer is no. Okay, good. What happens if uh, I have a, a pet ox in my backyard um, and my ox gets away and damages my non-Jewish neighbor's car. It just you know, gores through all the windows and uh, you know, damages my, my neighbor's car. So do I have to pay for that? So over there we also have an explicit Mishnah that you don't have to pay. When your mamon is mazik meaning it's not, it's not you that was mazik it's your mamon that was mazik you don't have to pay. Even after the third time? Like if I did it more than third time? Even after the third time, right. Mamono Amazik doesn't, because uh, special that it only applies to Chavero. Eno uh, Yehudi is not Chavero. So Mamono Amazik keeps from paying. And, and the Svara is that Bidinehem, you don't have to pay. In, in most systems of law, of secular law, Mamono Amazik, you don't have to pay. You know, it's, I think the Chavetz Chaim used to give that as the example of where a, a lot of times the Das um, Balabatim, you know, like the uh, like the, the the Das of what you would you, what you would assume with common sense is against the sense of halacha. The Chavetz Chaim gave the example. It's like, for example, if you were to ask any person, any secular-minded person on the street. A person's child gets away and breaks someone's window. 
does the parent have to pay when the child damages? So most people would say common sense, yes. It's a parent's responsibility. Their child did something, the parent is responsible for that child, right? Most people would say if a person's cat gets away and damages, most people would say on the street, nah, that's how, what are you supposed to do? It's your cat. You know, it's not, it's not like an extension of you. It's not, right? The Torah says the opposite. Your child damages your pater, he's pater, everyone's pater. He plays baseball, keeps smashing the neighbor's windows. The neighbor should get bulletproof windows or something because uh, he's pater. Okay, the Ramah says we try to be machmer l'chachilu when he grows up that he should, you know, keep, keep in mind, you know, all of uh, Mrs. Uh, whatever, Goldberg's windows, you know, and, uh, and, and pay her for that when he gets older to do proper tshuva. Good. It's a right way to do proper tshuva. But really make her adini's pater. But if your animal damages, you're chayiv. But it's a chiddush. So that chiddush only applies to a Jew. Now, shockingly, there's no Gemara or Mishnah that I'm aware of that discusses what happens if you physically damage the property of a non-Jew. We have you stealing, that you're definitely chayiv. We have your stuff damaging their stuff, definitely pater. Nothing that directly discusses if you, yourself, go and damage the property of a non-Jew. So what do we do with that? So I thought there must be a mission. I just didn't know it, right? Because I just finished learning about the Kama, but I don't remember any of it. So I, I, I just assumed that I, I, I didn't know it. Tafiomi, right? I have an excuse. So I just, I just assumed I, I, I didn't know it. So I asked Rav David Willig, and he's like, I think there's a Chuvas Harash, maybe a Chaznish quotes a Chuvas Harash. I'm like, whoa, how is this not a Mishnah? You know, I looked in the Rambam, the Rambam didn't say anything. I, I couldn't believe it. So Rav Willig showed me that, that it's Chaznish being Medayik in the Tshuva Sarash. Chaznish and Bava Kamen, Simen Yud, writes, Nira didafka shorshal Yisrael shenagach shorshal akum pater. Avul Adam shehizik mamona shalakum chayim. That if my ox destroys your car, I'm pater. But if I destroy your car, I'm chayim. Not, not yours, a, a, a non-Jew's car. V'chein mavur b'tshuva sarash, huva b'tor shulchanak sem shenayin chesif tes, Berochev al asus, shehizik sus shalakum. He says, what do you do if you're riding a horse and the horse damages? So what do you call that? Is that mamono amazik? Is that like the ox getting away? Or is that you doing the damage? Or riding a car, which would be the exact parallel. So the Chazanish says, that's not called the horse damaging or the car damaging. That's you damaging. Granted, if you were to run full speed ahead into your neighbor's car, it wouldn't have ended the same way. The car wouldn't have ended up on the curb and you probably would have ended up on the curb or whatever, you know, lying there. But, but, so you couldn't do it yourself, but, but it has, you're the one powering the car. You're the one, it's an amazing thing. The, the, you know, almost every accident that happens on the roads is, is because of human error. It's not because of, you know, cars do what you tell them to do. Malcolm Gladwell had a whole unbelievable podcast. Anyone into Malcolm Gladwell here? You, you got to be Danny, no? No, no. So M- Malcolm Gladwell had an unbelievable podcast. You remember a few years ago, Toyota um, had to pay like billions of dollars because supposedly their gas their gas pedals kept getting stuck and people kept getting killed. And there was even like a recording of a nine one one call of a family that was in a car and they're like saying, 911, our car is not stopping. It's just not stopping. It was just accelerating. We're excited. Oh my God, we're in an intersection. Everyone break, crash. And everyone died. And like, you could hear the call. 
So that like that was not good PR for a Toyota. It was a Lexus ES, whatever. So that was not 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 Lexus is a branch of Toyota. So the Toyota ended up paying billions, billions of dollars. And you know what they found out now? You know why those cars all crashed and they 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 kept on accelerating when the person was hitting the brakes? Because the person was panicking, thought they were hitting the brakes, and they were hitting the gas. It was a human error. And you know how they figured that out? Because any car on the road, you could try this, although I don't recommend it, you could be pushing the gas down all the way. If you take your other foot at the same time and hit the brake, the car will stop. The brakes are more powerful than the gas. So it, what are the chances that at the same time that the gas pedal just you know, has a mind of its own and goes to the floor, that the brakes all of a sudden will stop working? So they realized it was human error. It was, it was psychology. And people heard about this in Toyota, so as soon as they started accelerating more than they used to, they would uh, freak out and hit the wrong thing. The, the whole thing was an, was an error. Anyway, so people operate, cars do what people tell them to do. And, and therefore, it is Adam Amazik when your car hits, hits somebody else. Someone wanted to say something? Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know how the Chazanish learns about, but isn't there an so it's, it's not based on the Kalvachomer. Why, why is it based on the Kalvachomer? How did he say that? How did he say that? Like it, it, it sounded that if, an, if your animal does it, like fine, you're not. You you're know, potter. You're not but, if, but if you would do it. Well, it's, it we're not learning it from the animal. We're learning, we're, we're learning it by the animal. There's an exception. The Torah has a special Xeris HaKasuv that says that it only applies to Chavero. By Adama Mazik. There is no such exception. In fact, there's a Meshachachmer that Lilik showed me in Parshas Emor, I think, that says that the Torah says about Adam Amazik twice, Dafka, to include a guy, to include a few Mazik a guy. I was thinking, wouldn't the, wouldn't the fact that a horse has a mind of its own, in a sense, make a distinction between the horse case and the car case? Yeah, so it could be. It could be that a horse is having that. You ever go horseback riding? Mm-hmm. If the horse has to go to the bathroom? No, you ever had this experience? You're kicking it and kicking it and kicking it, and he's not moving, and you can't figure it out. And then the second he's done, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're going so fast. So, yeah, a horse has a mind of his own. A car, a car does not. Um, yeah, in a chinami. So maybe that would be a little different. But at the but if anything, so it's more Adam Amazik with a car, because right. a car really doesn't have a mind of its own. So, what about these new cars? Ooh, self-driving car. That might be, that might be different. Right, that might be different because it really does have a mind of its own. It's really it's just doing what, and that, that's you, you know why they're not on the road yet. From what I hear, this is what people tell me that the reason you don't see them on the road is because they haven't figured out the the moral mm-hmm. elements of it. Because uh, th- there are decisions that have to be made in driving. If you're going sixty miles an hour and you can either crash into another car or crash into uh, you know a little girl on the sidewalk, so that's a decision that a driver has to make. They haven't figured out how to program the cars to make the right decisions in those cases or what the right decisions are. You know, you have a group of senior citizens and you have a baby. Which, which way do you go? You have a tree that's going to kill you or you can smash in someone else's car and, and ruin their car. Right? I mean, they haven't figured out all these... Well, that's a question by itself, not just what the car would decide. Right, I'm saying all the, all the moral... Right, but at least with people... The programmers don't have to take the blame for that. The car companies don't have to take the blame because the car companies can say, and correctly so, cars do what you tell them to do. We didn't do it. 
but they can't, if they program a car this way, then the car doesn't do what you tell them to do. So anyway, yeah, that would be, that would cha- that would be a game changer. That would certainly be a game changer. So is Yankel Chayv to pay for this? Absolutely Yankel is Chayv to pay for this. Okay, but what about the fact that insurance is paying? Does that change anything? So insurance is an interesting thing in halacha because in the times of the Gemara, we didn't really, as far as we know, they didn't really have insurance. But what they did have is sometimes people were mekabel achrayis. Someone says, I know I'm not really chayiv, I know I'm only yishom rechina. So I'm not chayiv to pay for gneva veda or onsen. I'm mekabel on myself, achrayis of ones or something like that. So a person accepts a certain level of achrayis. So the Gemara in Baba Kamakuftazayim discusses the following case. I have a donkey, you have a donkey, your donkey is much more expensive than my donkey. You have a Porsche donkey and I have a Toyota Corolla donkey. And they are both standing right by the water and all of a sudden the river starts to overflow and, uh, and the donkeys are going to drown. You are helpless. You don't know how to swim. And you never took lifeguarding for donkeys. But I happen to have just gotten my donkey certificate in lifeguarding. So Red Cross, I'm all good to go. Problem is, I only have time to save one donkey. And yours is worth twice as much as mine. So I tell you, listen, I'll save yours, but you know, you got to pay me for mine then, because I'm losing mine by saving yours. And you say, no problem, I'll pay you for your Toyota Corolla donkey. It's no problem. And I go and I save your Porsche donkey. And I save it, I'm successful. And then, miracle of all miracles, my Toyota Corolla survives the flood, you know, it, it, it develops wings, it flies out of the water, and it, it, it saved itself. Do you still have to pay me? I saved your donkey on the condition that you're going to pay me for mine. And mine survived. Says the Gemara, yes, you still have to pay me. That, that, you, you know why my donkey survived? Because Hashem loves me. That's got nothing to do with you. You agreed to pay me, you got to pay me for it. Says the Or Sameach in Hilchas Schirus, that's insurance. So it's exactly what happens in insurance. I burned down your house. You happen to have, that some third party is willing to pay you all the value of your house. Yeah, but I still have to pay you the value of your house. The fact that, that you have this insurance, that's, that's not relevant to my obligation. I still have to pay you. So you wouldn't have to pay the trans. Ah, so a lot of the Akhrams say, what? <laughs> that's not minashamayim kamarachim walei. That's not my house, you know, growing wings and, you know, I don't know, or... Uh, that, that's, that's not at all what happened. I had a business deal with someone where I paid premiums. And they were willing to take a risk because they have a team of actuaries that work for them and figure out if it's worth it. This was a very clear business deal. It's got really nothing to do with my house. They're betting that my house survives. I'm betting that it, you know, that it, it goes on fire one day, and, and and I won the bet. So that's they're paying me. It's got nothing to do with that. And if I cause the insurance company to have to pay, I should have to pay the insurance company. And that's how Yashav Paskins. Yashav Paskins that if the insurance company pays out, then so I got to pay the insurance company. So Yankel's Taina that oh let the insurance company handle it. So it's not a problem, no one's losing. The insurance company is a someone also. And, and he should have to pay the insurance company. 
So that taina is not, not a valid taina. It does not seem to be a valid taina. Rabbi Shmuel Marcus told me today that there was a mice in the Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky biography where a girl uh, came to Rabbi Yaakov. She was a kala. She was about to get married and her parents had put away a lot of money for her for when she gets married to help her through buying her first house and the first couple of years of marriage. Where did they get the money? When she was a little girl, she was hit by a car and her parents sued the driver of the car. The, the driver's insurance company. She remembers her parents' lawyer telling her, I, I know you crossed at a red, but tell them that you had the green light, that you had the little walk signal. He instructed her to lie. <clears throat> and she lied, because that's what the lawyer said to do. And they won the, and, and that's where all this money came from. She asked Rabbi Yaakov, what do I do now? It's 15 years later. So Yaakov says, you cannot use a penny of that money. If the insurance company doesn't have a mechanism by which to receive a 15-year-old uh, claim that they was already paid out and they just already written it off as a loss and you call them up and they'll think you're from outer space and they're not going to accept it, then give it to American Cancer Society. Dafka, not to a Jewish charity. Because you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm doing a uh, mitzvah for the Jewish people. Meaning you have to do something good with it because why you don't throw it away, but but give it to like to a non-Jewish charity. That's apparently I didn't look it up in the Rabbi Yaakov biography, but you, you can't scam insurance companies. Okay, so you learn two things tonight. You're not allowed to this cash Torah. This Rabbi in Shalavim. Rabbi Tresvi has got bank Torah and cash Torah. I just learned cash Torah. The end of the day, what do you come out with? The concept is. What's the money you have in the bank is in the bank. I ask you, can I have that money that's in the bank? Well, I got to go to the bank. I got to draw it, withdraw it. You know, some of the Torah, I got to check my notes. I got to look. I got to see. That is cash Torah. You know, it's like, it's right there. It's right there. So what's your cash Torah? Your cash Torah is don't steal. <laughs> don't scam insurance companies. Good. Also, don't hit and run. <laughs> okay. Um, now, Okay, that's in terms of the uncle's obligation. So the uncle's obligated to take care of this. What about Ruven's obligation? Does Ruven have to share that information? So the truth is, Losam Radam probably doesn't apply to an Eino Yehudi, but Chilul Hashem is, the potential here for Chilul Hashem is off the charts. They find out, you're living in a predominantly orthodox neighborhood. Now, there's a very solid chance that the person who did this is an Orthodox Jew. And there's also a reasonable chance they'll find out. How they find out, I don't know. There are enough cameras out there. So if it wasn't your camera, they'll go to the other neighbor who also has a camera. Maybe they'll be able to pull a plate. You know, they, they'll go to the local auto body shops and ask, did a black Nissan Sentra come in recently with you know, severe damage to uh, its whole right side? Or something like that. I mean, there's a, there's a chance. Or you let it sit and you don't say anything to them. And in a month from they say, oh, you never found anything on, on the video? And now what do you say? Now what does Ruvain say? If he lies, he's a liar. He can't lie. And if he doesn't lie, it's a, a horrible chilash of, oh, I've been sitting on this information. I was hoping you would never ask. I was trying to protect my friend, the Orthodox Jew. So that does not seem like it's a good idea. And it would seem to be prohibited. Even, even absent a, a, a technical 
even absent, and probably it's not even Lasan Rodarim Rechel, it's Vashivosolo, it's a mitzvah Vashavas Aveda. That here's money that they're owed, you know where they can get it, you know where they should get it, and you, you choose not to share that information. And Ruven has a mitzvah of Tochah. Now, the mitzvah of Tochah has limitations. You're not supposed to be Mechiach, someone who's not going to listen. Right? Someone who you know is not going to listen, you're not supposed to be Mechiach. But over here, you know he will listen. Why do you know he will listen? Because you can threaten him. You have evidence. You've got him on camera. So you have the ability to make sure that he does it. You know, to make sure that he pays back. Is that the best etza to uh, to threaten him and to tell him, look, if you don't do it, I'm showing the the video. Maybe you can come up with another etza. Maybe you can tell him, uh, you know, the other neighbor has a camera also, and he uh, and, and they got your plates. So before they run the plates, I would confess if I were you. You know, you might be able to scare him into into confessing, something like that where you get to leave yourself out of it and you get to be more, I guess, like his friend and not feel like you're uh, you're threatening him, that might be Gnevis Das. <laughs> that might be, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, are you allowed to lie to get him to confess? So probably, probably. You know, you're, the, the lying is generally, <laughs> obviously wrong. Chosam HaShel Kodesh Baruch Hu Emes and we, Mahu uh, Afata. You're trying to save him for himself in this case. Right. So there are certain circumstances where lying is permissible. You're allowed to lie for the sake of peace. You're allowed to probably lie to make sure that justice happens in, in, in this case. So I, I would think that uh, you can say it in such a way. Yeah. Um, you said that Lusama uh, Rechel wouldn't apply because they're very... He's not Reacha. Right, right. The, the wife. The wife is, right. So it, it may depend whose car it is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how to deal with it. But Hashavah Saveda, the Rambam writes, Hashavah Saveda doesn't apply to an Eino Yehudi and doesn't apply to Mechal Shabbos Peresia. So it happens to be we do Hashavah Zaveda for both anyway, um, because it's an opportunity for Kiddush Hashem when we do Hashavah Zaveda. So like if you find an Aveda, you know, an Aveda that clearly belongs to a non-Jew, um, I don't know, like a, a burqa, uh, you know. So then, uh, unless you live in like Beit Sharem or Bnei Brak Beit Shemesh, whatever. So, but but if you if you find an Aveda that belongs to that 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 seems to clearly belong to a non-Jew, so then uh, then then we still do Hashavas Aveda. Um, you know, like people sometimes ask the question that like it, the Torah seems to have certain halachos that are so biased and that are so unfair to an Eino Yehudi. And, and the, the answer, you know, someone, one of my Talmudim from last year's 11th grade um, Googled uh, my name and found that there's a whole write-up on me on David Duke's website. Um, David Duke is a clan, was the head of the Ku Klux Klan. He took my article on blood donations and ripped it apart piece by piece as proof that Jews are, have a bloodthirst and are anti-all... Uh, non-Jews. Now, what was my article saying? What was the point of the article? That there's a great mitzvah to donate blood and that everyone should do it, right? But ha- but the way, in the halachic style of writing, you go through the Gemaras and what the postcom say and whatever, and then you come to a conclusion. So he selected certain... You can go online. I, I wouldn't. Don't go on his website. <laughs> but, you know, so he... So this Talmud said to me, what would you answer to all these timers? You know, like all these Gemaras. And I think the answer is simple. Lemaisa, we always come down on the right side. 
Meaning, in, in theory, yeah, in theory there are troubling things. In practice, who has a history of, of, of violence against other religions and of killing people and pillaging and you know, doing all sorts of horrible abuses against other people? Is it the Muslim religion of peace? The Christian religion of peace? Or this militant Jewish religion? So it could be, and different points in history, it's been different things. You know, right now the Muslims are on a bad streak, but there was a, a few centuries where they were going on a pretty good streak. And the Christians were awful to us. But Jews don't have a history of this. The way it always plays out, the Misa is there's a mitzvah to donate blood. And there's a mitzvah to do the Shavas Veda, And, you know, all these things. So, yeah, the standards of Ben Adon Lechavero, certainly for Ben Yehudi, Yehudi are, are a little higher, but that's okay. I don't think that's morally. I think every group feels that way. You know, there's a reason why, uh, you know, 99% of the uh, African-American community voted for President Obama. It's, it's not because they knew all of his policies and agreed with all of them. It's okay for people to watch out for their own. You know, that's like understood in cultures and society. But to be fair and just with others, we, we're, we're always fair and just with others. At the end of the day, Lemaisa. So like, Lemaisa over here, I think, you know, doesn't apply. doesn't apply. But Lemaisa, any rabbi worth his salt is going to tell you that you got to pay for this and that you can't let Yankel get away with this. I, I asked a few rabbis what they thought of the Shaila. And the, the, the overwhelming response I got was, what Shaila? Like, there's no Shaila here. You make Yankel pay, there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. You see with Osama, though, that, that that car could possibly go to their children, but would be Jewish. You can't necessarily say that they're not... They're, that ah, okay, not good. So even in Dine Mamanus, it may belong to a Jew, because ultimately... But right now, we don't view it as, like, we don't look at it as if the Yerusha has already happened while they're still alive. That's not the way we, uh, even though in a chinami it will cost them in the end of the, you know, like people are cognizant of that. I remember my uncle Zechernel Levracha in his last few years of life, he died young, but he was, he would like travel all over the place and he'd be like, it's my kid's money, I don't care. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's spending the Yerusha. Um, so, but, but we don't really, we don't really, um, you know, we don't really view it like that. We view it as who, who owns the money right now. Yeah, premiums go up for things like this. Although I'm not really sure how the insurance law works. Sometimes they, they just always just call it no fault. And uh, although I can't imagine hitting a parked car. They're just going to call it a no fault and have each insurance company pay for their own. I don't think it's hard to imagine that they would do that. But who knows? These you know these laws sometimes are so messed up. By that, by them getting charged more from their insurance company because you didn't tell them. Yeah, true? so there's definitely that, that collateral damage. You know, there's a safer Mishpatea Torah of Spitz. He paskins that if you damage someone else's car, not only do you have to pay to fix it, you then have to get someone to, to assess how much less it's worth now because it was once broken and fixed rather than being brand new because of the Carfax report or whatever, you know, that, that sometimes can be worth it. And you have to pay for that too. Meaning you, you do have to take into account the, the, all of the loss. That, that, that's, that's incurred. So in Ochinami, although one could argue that insurance premiums going up later, maybe or maybe not going up later, is, uh, is, is indirect enough that it will be called the grama, where a grama benazikin is potted. 
Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what the post can say about that. I'm not familiar enough with, uh, with the Dine Mamanis to know what the post can necessarily say about that. One could make such an argument, but I don't, I don't know if anyone actually does make such an argument. Okay, um, Rabbi Kamenetsky is going to walk in any minute, but uh, the advertising, Shaila, any, any thoughts on that very quick? What do you think? You could have Papa John's on the side of your car? Probably not. Yeah, you know, like, I don't know if there's an Isser, but like, come on. <laughs> you, know, you shouldn't have, what, Lifne either? You're causing Jews to go to Papa John's? And, uh, I don't know if you're really causing Jews to go to Papa John's with the Abbott on the, on the side of your car. Not Ah, so it could be that it, it, it could be that it's uh, Marasayin or Chashad uh, that people think you have this. Really, there's also an issue of doing schora with uh, with non with, with non kosher food, but you're not really doing that either. You're not doing schora with non kosher food. You're doing schora with your car. It's a, but what about having the guy drive it on Shabbos? So that's what we call schar Shabbos. So schar Shabbos bahavla is generally mutter. That if you you get paid for Shabbos together with other things, but over here you're getting paid by the mind. So it's not really havla at all. So probably it's us in terms of schar Shabbos. Okay. Have a good evening, everyone. Good job.